to episode 18 of the 7 Minutes Podcast, uh, the podcast of 7 Minutes or More, where we talk about video games. For at least 7 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think 7 Minutes or More covers that, but uh, YMMV. <laughs> Reiterating. Uh, I am, as usual, Zach. <laughs> I'm Angie. No, sorry, I'm Angela. I am Robert. Not having an identity crisis, unlike someone at the table, apparently. <laughs> we are off to it. Just a real kick and start. <laughs> Sorry. I, I prefer to go by Angela professionally and pretty much any time I'm not talking to my family. So um, it was, yeah. it was a free Freudian slip. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, and today, this oh. time, we're joined by Robert again. That's right. Yeah, I haven't been blacklisted this time. You weren't blacklisted last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. You just failed to show up. You failed mm-hmm. to arrive. Jury's out on that one. Failed to make time for us. That's fine. Robert's got a job that only uh, operates during primo recording hours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Have I mentioned I'm teaching game design on the podcast yet? Probably. I couldn't Maybe. tell you. I can't remember. In case it has not been said, I'm teaching game design at a... Uh, my alma mater, mater, mater. Oh, that's a that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm teaching her that sh- school I went to, talking games. I mean, at least you're not teaching Latin, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, right now I'm teaching game design one, which is all board game mechanics. Mm-hmm. And then next semester, I get to teach game design two, where we move into making video games. So uh, that's been keeping me busy. I'll be even later, I think, next semester. I think the class goes from like 7 to 10 at night. Hmm. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, well, that's those, what I've been up to. Those gamers do tend to be night owl types. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. Robert, I don't know if you know this. Um, we recorded episode 17 without you. Yeah, yeah, I'm well aware of it. And uh, we talked about The Witcher mm, when yeah. we did, specifically Witcher 3. We did dabble slightly with Witcher 1 and 2. Mostly we talked about Witcher 3. Um because we knew you are uncultured and don't really know that much about The Witcher. We thought mm-hmm. it'd be a good... Thank you. Sucks. Good top seat. It doesn't. My name is Girl <laughs> Big deal. But, oh. you know, this time, as last time, uh, we kicked it off by talking about what we've been playing. Mm-hmm. Angela, you may also know as Angie... <laughs> Uh, Gee, I wonder if she's going to mention Animal Crossing and Mario Kart Tour. Well, I'm sure she will. But last time she also mentioned Metroid Dread, and we lamented that you weren't there to talk about Metroid Dread because we know you uh, played a lot of it, enough to write a review, and we are have just been bracing since the last time we recorded uh, to hear you gush over it. So why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Oh, oh, oh okay. All right. Well, yes, I played Metroid Dread. Uh, I reviewed it for Nintendo Joe. You can go check it out there. But uh, I thought it was really good. Um, it's better than Metroid uh, Samus Returns on 3DS, which was already really great. Um, so my takeaways were... So Sakurai... Uh, not Sakurai. Sakamoto. Sakamoto. There you go. Uh, he has been dabbling with this sort of like modified 2D gameplay since Metroid Other M... So Other M, the narrative sucked, but I'll give that game this much. 
it introduced a physicality to Samus's like move suite and attacks that never existed before. Primarily this like sort of parrying attack that she does, like it's an actual uh, melee. So that melee has remained since Other M, and it's just been kind of built on and improved here. And then uh, Samus Returns introduced something called Aeon abilities, and they're just like these sort of extra powers that Samus has. And in this case, they're it's uh, represented in like a, a dash and a midair dash that she can do. And she can also go all Predator and turn invisible. So uh, that plays really well with the cat and mouse sections with the, the Emmy robots that chase her around. Can you like only be invisible when you're stationary? <clears throat> no, uh, you can actually move invisible. But the trade-off is that as you start moving, it really starts to drain the Aeon. And it goes rapidly through the Aeon and then into your health. So you can easily kill yourself by accident if you're not watching it carefully. Is Aeon just like goofy sci-fi energy name <clears throat> yes okay <laughs> and uh so all that was really good the uh the actual shooting and everything is uh handled really well someone at the table it's me uh, yeah had lots to say about the uh analog movement and aiming i had no problem with it myself i didn't claim you did i uh i think that you not i mean a d-pad is best for like a 2d game but the way Samus aims in this one, you know, she can shoot in an arc all around herself. Like, she can shoot 360 degrees around her body. And so that's much more easily facilitated by using the analog stick. And so uh, all of that, like the nuts and bolts, the physical movement of Samus is great. Uh, the powers are great. And then in terms of, like, storyline, so Samus Returns was a remake of the, the Game Boy Samus, or a Metroid game. And so... Uh, you know, it's not like there was a ton of story to play with anyway, but I don't want to say it was a gimme for Sakamoto, but after butchering Samus's character in Other M, it was refreshing to see him give us a proper version of her in that game. So I was still a little hesitant with this one, because I'm like, alright, you know, he's he's going to swing again, uh, going, to, going, to, going to the plate to try to do another good Metroid game, and he succeeded. She's her characterization's perfect. I actually thought the narrative was pretty interesting, and there's a cool twist at the end. Has enough time passed that we can discuss the twist or no? no. Okay. Speaking Maybe. selfishly. Oh, I see. Someone's still working on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, there's a cool twist at the end. And, uh, yeah, we'll discuss it more in a future episode, but just really well handled. And it looks beautiful. So, yeah, as, uh, as Robert alluded to, I... Uh... I just have like a personal blocker for playing 2D games with the with anything other than a D-pad. Uh, it's uh, it just does not feel good in my hands. So that has been dissuading me from picking up the game. Um, but that's a that's a personal note. The the one other thing that I've heard from some quarters about um, Dread that gives me not not pause exactly, but um, uh, Robert, I'm curious how how you felt about how not quite handholdy the game is, but how I've heard this game is more aggressive in how it uses like subtle design cues to funnel you in particular directions. So you don't really have the feeling of getting lost or not being sure where to go, which is part of part of like the appeal or atmosphere of like Super Metroid or Metroid One. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 
And that's not to say there's anything wrong with one approach versus the other, but like for me, that is part of what makes Super Metroid feel like Super Metroid. I think that of all the elements of the Metroid formula, that's the one I care the least about. Because like I enjoyed Metroid Fusion, and I think Metroid Fusion is much more in your face about directing you from point A to B. Compared to Dread. Uh, Yeah, I'd say Fusion's probably still the king of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Dread actually gives you a little bit of a reason for why Samus is directed the way that she is, which is part of part of the twist at the end. Um, but regardless of that, I mean, Breath of the Wild kind of shows you you can still do a game where you're just kind of dropped into the game world with like not a ton of direction and you can just find your own way. Uh, for whatever reason, Nintendo has shied away from doing that for Samus and the Metroid games. But that said, I didn't really think it was that directed. You know, I didn't think it was super handholdy myself. It definitely, you know, you know where you need to go, but nothing's stopping you from exploring. And I would say that the discovery of the one-hit kill of Kraid that you can do uh, shows you that there's a little bit more leeway that I think people are giving credit to the game for. Because when you fight Kraid... It's not a spoiler to say Kraid's in the game, it's in the marketing. But uh, when you fight Kraid and you're doing it the, quote, proper way or the directed way, you don't have the Morph Ball Bomb. But if you explore a little bit before getting to Kraid, you can actually get the Morph Ball Bomb early. And then when you're fighting Kraid, you get sucked into his belly. Uh, or actually, you get shot into his belly, you set off a bomb, and then he's dead. So that, to me, demonstrates that you're able to explore and that it's maybe not quite as linear as people think, maybe at least in terms of the power-ups. So, I don't know. I, I'm not saying those people are wrong. I just didn't really think it was yeah. the worst. I guess it's not... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a matter of taste, I think, right? Um, but it's not even, like, whether there's sequence breaks. It's how, like, the certainty of where to go, I think, does change the feeling of these games. Hmm. Whether that's good or bad is a matter of personal taste um well beyond metroid uh, i've been playing the uh n64 games for the switch online expansion pack so that's gotten a lot of talk because it's kind of uh iffy emulation Mm -hmm. so i think some of the complaints are a little overblown but i've definitely run into stuff um i think that ocarina feels it feels a i think there's some input lag it's it's small. That's but been documented. Apparently, even the Wii U version of Virtual Console had some input lag, but I, I think hear this, this is, one's worse. Yeah, it has to be worse because I'm I've played Ocarina obsessively since it came out. So like I've played every version. Um, I noticed it in this one, mm-hmm. and if I'm noticing it, then that means it's pronounced. But that said, it's definitely not unplayable, but it is a little bit you know of a of a hindrance. Uh, I also think that it's it's somewhat stuttery. It just doesn't feel as smooth as it could be. Um, Isn't that true of... Ocarina itself always seemed like it would have benefited from a higher frame rate than it has. Uh, I guess so. I just think that compared to other versions of it, this one feels especially kind of stuttery. Not right. like... And when I say this, I'm talking it's it's small. So I think I think if you're somebody who's been playing Ocarina since 98 you will notice it more than anyone. If you've never played Ocarina of Time, I think you'll probably enter the game and and be fine. You might notice it, but maybe not as much. Series veterans, though, they're probably going to be bugged. 
Uh, and then the same can kind of be said for all of the games in the N64 collection. There are little just things that are off or strange. I do... One thing I don't understand is Nintendo won't let you map the buttons for Nintendo Switch Online. So the controller, whatever the configuration is, is what it is. And you would just think... Which is fine for Super Nintendo, right? Because of the how similar that is yeah. to modern controller layouts. But, but like N64, N64 is so mm, weird. It, it's very odd. And it's just like, this is 10 seconds of like programming, you would think. I mean, it's just the buttons on the controller. Like, you know, what... What harm is there in letting players just decide that? Now, yeah. I do think that for the most part, the buttons work fine. But, you know, and the one, one particularly strong example to me was Sin and Punishment. I actually think that's mapped really intelligently. But it's just like that is a le level of, of player freedom that to me it's insane to restrict. Like just let people do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. That's like, I can't stand the, uh, the, it's not a wallpaper, but there's this odd dotted edge going on with the screen. So like the aspect ratio on all of the uh, Nintendo Switch Online games is made to look like an old tube TV. So whatever that, I always forget what that aspect ratio is. So it's not widescreen. Mm -hmm. So the sides of the screen, you know, I personally prefer in a game like that where they've They've cut out, you know, the, the square in the middle. I want it all black on the sides. Just don't draw attention to it. Yeah, right? it's like I don't want to yeah. see anything. Just make it black. And instead, there's this odd, like, again, it's these, like, kind of dots or whatever that's part black, and then it goes into gray or whatever. I'm like, why does that need to be there? Why can't I turn it off? The same as the uh, menu prompts, like how to access the menu for Switch Online. I'm like, let me turn these things off. It's like you're making, now you're making us pay $50 a year. And I don't have these basic interface choices like that is stupid. So if you could go back in time, would you would you not pay for oh, the Switch not. Online expansion? Oh no, I'd pay instantly. So what? <laughs> Zach already knew the answer. What, yeah. So what exactly is Nintendo's incentive to cater to the Joker who already gave them his money? I mean. It's to me, these are small gripes. Like I'm having fun playing the games. You know, it's like they're they're just imperfect. I think the emulation part of it might be enough to turn some people away. I mean, you're hearing a lot of uh, complaining about it online. Mm -hmm. My complaints about the UI kind of stuff. I don't know how much people talk about that on the internet, but to me, it's like bring those changes it's like even if it takes you know nintendo switch online has been around for a while and now we're getting these n64 and genesis games um upgrade it you know it's like just do whatever you have to do implement it let's move on but nintendo's never been that way they're just so strange it's like with the the wii u i believe uh if i'm remembering correctly i think the 3ds eShop eventually made it so that you could store your credit card information and then you had, uh, I think you could put a pin in. And then I think when you got to the Wii U, you have the whole set, same setup. Here's the eShop. You can store your credit card information, and I don't think you could put a pin. And I'm just like, the same people made all this crap. Like, who didn't think the pin on the, the, <laughs> the 3DS eShop wouldn't be useful in the 
Wii U eShop, and well, same it's, thing it's, on the the Switch. I would say it's unlikely that the same people made all those things. Well, I mean, still, it's just it's like, come on, man, it's all the same company. It's like this should just be like, hey, that thing you made there, let's do it here, carry over all the same features. Like, look, man, you know how big companies like that are. It's so big. Even like your family, the way some person in your family makes a dish is not going to be the way somebody else in your family makes a dish. Well, it's not unreasonable though to look at the the aspects of the eShop that made sense in one version. And then when you're going to create the eShop on the next platform, take the aspects that make the most sense and are most user-friendly and recreate that. I definitely it, it, agree. It, does, it doesn't matter that it's it could be an entirely different set of people. You, you take what worked in the past. I mean, this is even where, um, even you like, know, like, yeah. like surveys are uh, useful. You know, UX kind of surveys for existing users and say what do you like about the eShop what do you not like about the eShop and then implement the things that are really popular and then reconsider the things that maybe aren't yeah you can even just like look at what your competitors are doing right because all all the times nintendo has seemed like they're behind the times with when like online infrastructure or services like it's not like they don't know about playstation and xbox well to me like it's also a matter of just like when certain standards are set like having a pin to access your payment information seems like kind of basic like customer service sort of stuff switch online i'm just like you've seen how retro games are done in all these different compilations now it's like They've got the, the different filters you can put on the screen, button mapping, all these things. Nintendo's like, well, you can rewind. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's like the least important thing to me right now, but you go ahead and do rewind and give me none of the other stuff. Like, Yeah, implementing key ZSNES features from 1998. It's just, ugh, just so odd. But anyway, that's... Look, bottom line, they don't have to change because they're... Customer base will just keep on buying it regardless. They'll just complain, and Nintendo will ignore the complaints. Yeah, and then I guess the last thing in terms of what I've been playing... Oh, well, New Mario Party came out. Really fun. Thank God they got rid of the need to use the uh, Joy-Con as a controller. You can use any controller that you have to play the game. Um, WarioWare also came out not that long ago, and that is also super fun. Um, so a lot of good games have been coming out from Nintendo the past, you know, few weeks. So they've been keeping me busy. And then I've randomly been playing Pokemon Shield. I'm sorry, uh, Pokemon Sword. I'm hoping to get it done before Diamond and Pearl come out. All right. Yep, so that's me. Um, I was playing Metroid. Um, kind of, I actually have kind of dropped off of some games because I haven't had a very good work-life balance in the past week um but that aside uh metroid has been actually really fun um it just feels really intuitive even though you know backtracking is a necessity and um i think you are intentionally supposed to feel lost and get lost at times um it doesn't feel frustrating and uh a couple of the boss fights that i've had so far have been really fun um so i've been liking uh, metroid dread a lot then we've been playing Mario Party with Robert, um, and, uh, you know, it's actually been really nostalgic because, uh, there are these mini games from, uh, Mario Party, Mario Party 2, and I think Mario Party 3. This is like the WarioWare Gold of Mario Parties, where they're, like, taking (laughs) the, like, the mini games from previous ones and rolling them together. And boards. 
uh, some of the really popular ones. And I had forgotten about a lot of these games, a lot of these boards, the interesting mechanics on on some of the boards. Um, so it's actually been really fun. And I haven't I hadn't played Mario Party in a little while. We have the one on the one that came out specifically on the Switch. I can't remember what can't remember what that one's called, but um, so it's been a little while since I played Mario Party, but it's really fun. Um, I think there might be, well, the time we're recording this, uh, it's only a couple of days now until the Animal Crossing New Horizons update goes live 2.0. Um, thinking about maybe taking Friday off from work <laughs> so I can, <laughs> so you play it. Um, but yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And um, I would like to get back into Final Fantasy XIV. Like, I know I'm not going to... I'm likely not going to uh, get through Stormblood and... Uh, Shadowbringers. Shadowbringers before Endwalker comes out. But uh, I do want to hop back into that. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have been playing Animal Crossing and Mario Kart on my phone. Currently, uh, yesterday, Zach, Zach's making lots of faces. Yesterday, uh, the team rally went live in Mario Kart for um, Team Toad versus Team Toadette. And and I was going to be on Team Toad, but all of the shy guys are on Team Toadette. I don't so. care for this Splatoon nonsense. Well, get over it, because it's not the first time they've done it. I was on Team Mario when they did Team Mario versus Team Peach. But, uh... Yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing. All right, and I have been uh, celebrating my Italian heritage <laughs> by playing uh, the Ezio Collection, which is uh, Assassin's Creed Two, Brotherhood, and Revelations. Uh, I've only just started Revelations, um, but it's still a lot of Ezio. Um, these are the. Uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed games that take place in Italy and then Revelations takes place in Turkey. Uh, it's It's been interesting. These ones, I, I know this is nowhere near the first Assassin's Creed game I've played. I think Revelations is number 10 for me. But um, Ezio is kind of held up by Assassin's Creed players as like the best protagonist. Uh, the time of Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood is seen as like the golden age before... People got disappointed by certain decisions that Ubisoft was making with the series. So I was uh, definitely looking to... I was hoping for a lot from these games, even though I didn't particularly like the... Like, I'm not super drawn to the Italian Renaissance time period and setting. Um, and I've been a little underwhelmed by the uh, by the character of... Ezio, who is like the fan favorite character in the franchise, he just doesn't actually seem as interesting or as charismatic as I thought he was going to be. You know, I've sat and watched so much of these games now, to my chagrin, Um, just so many Assassin's Creed games now. And I do have to admit, I don't think Ezio is very compelling. Part of it is I don't really think his voice actor is very great. Um, I think it could be better, um, especially too, because, well, this is a problem I have generally speaking with the Assassin's Creed games is that they're set in all these different places in the world, all these different times in the world, but everybody's speaking English 
but they have everybody speaking English with a particular accent, so an Italian accent, a Greek accent, and it always sounds fake. Um, you know, like Robert and I, our, our maternal grandmother is Italian, born and raised, and not every Italian with an accent sounds the same, but uh, the Italians that are speaking in Assassin's Creed in in English with Italian accents sound kind of fake. Um, I so. feel like it's a legacy of just video games simply have not caught up in terms of storytelling with movies or television. And like, so there's some examples where it's like really close or really good, like The Last of Us or Uncharted. And there's other examples, but like, if you stand around in a GameStop and watch some of the trailers on GameStop TV and you listen to, like, the voice acting, it's just so cringeworthy. It's like there's a trailer for uh, Call of Duty Vanguard right now. And uh, one of the lines is this person saying, this battle, it matters. And it's just like, no one talks like this. It's like, it's cringeworthy. And... Like, it extends to some of the stuff, like, with the voice acting and, like, picking who's going to sound a certain way. It's like, like, I don't know, maybe a lack of research, but, like, it's always, like, the bar is lower for games. And people are like, oh, yeah, this is really great storytelling. And then you watch it and you're just like, this isn't even as good as, like, a TV movie. Yeah, I don't really know if I agree with that. I, I think there are, like, stylistic decisions, uh, which probably goes into this Vanguard thing you're talking about. Um, but, like... You know, there's like kind of a house style built into how those trailers are cut and a house style built into how those games are made, you know, and in the case of like, uh, say Ezio's voice or some of the other voices in these games, these are like earlier PS3 era games. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there are going to be differences between that and like the quality that you get in, um, like the later Naughty Dog productions that just use, uh, Troy Baker and Nolan North for everything. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was like specifically thinking too of Odyssey and how just so much of the voice acting of these, I mean, they're supposed to be Greeks, um, you know, speaking English with Greek accents. Like I do not doubt that. uh, I mean, I think the, the two protagonists you can play as either the man or the woman, I believe they are Greek in, you know, in real life. But um, I mean, it, Unless you're unless you have like a natural accent or can fake an accent, a, a very believable one, you could kind of tell listening like some of these people are faking an accent and um, it, it can kind of take me out of uh, the immersion. Um, not really a big fan of that word, but it, it just kind of kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Uh, like when I'm sitting and watching you play and I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's definitely just a voice actor doing a kind of okay greek something, accent look something like odyssey is going to have the difficulty of having just so much dialogue to record and that probably they're less able compared to a movie they're less able to like take another take get it right like step into coach the actor well, we, do stuff like that we talked a little bit about this when we talked about the witcher 3 but the witcher 3 has an uncommonly impressive um set of voice actors even just like little npcs are very well done um, but then you have the kind of the ones on the fringe that are a bit inexplicable to me, like, you know, Triss or Dandelion or whatever that are just very bad. Um, so 
I don't know. I mean, I find I just find it a little bit odd when these like triple A studios have voice work done and somewhat to Robert's point, like you, you know, you watch enough movies, even like TV productions or whatever, or shows, and you can hear believable delivery of lines. And I feel like video games still have a way to go in terms of catching up and and having voice actors deliver lines naturally and, and do it well. Um, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. Honestly, I really don't. Like, obviously, they're spotty, but like, honestly, TV and movies are spotty, too. I'm, oh, I'm sure we'd have no trouble picking out um, like line readings from Game of Thrones or whatever CW show or mm-hmm. various like Marvel movies that oh, also have like let's, extremely let's awkward not insult a game by comparing it to a CW show. <laughs> right. But like, well, video games have other things going on too. Cause like there's cultural differences, like metal gear solid, like those games are like oddball and like really like in, in many ways they are impressive, but they're also super quirky. Like the, like the, but the voice acting is still really well done, but there's something just undeniably Japanese slash Kojima about them. So, like, there are some games that are like that, but like some of the stuff, like, you know, like from like Ubisoft, like the Assassin's Creed games, like, I just feel like it's striving for something and, and not accomplishing the goal. Like, it's trying to be like a super serious production, but then also trying to be like a game. And I don't know. I just don't know what it is. It doesn't work for me. And I, I get that from quite a few different games. And like to Angela's point, when you can tell someone's forcing an accent, that's like, you know, we've mentioned this before, but we're both also, you know, we're Mexican. And man, anytime I see like a Hispanic actor on TV, they almost always force them. You have to have some kind of Hispanic sounding accent going on. And you can tell when even with it's a, when it's a Hispanic actor, when they're faking it. And it's just like, why can't we just talk? Like, how come the accent has to be this way? And like, it just kills it for you sometimes when you're watching. Just is, like, it not, is it not possible that some of them do actually have accents that well, you, you can think tell, are goofy? Well, some people have them and you can tell they're forcing them to be more exaggerated than they are. And it's like, I don't know if it's just a matter of like where you're from or what culture you come from. But like, as someone who's Mexican, like I can just tell, like you can hear it. Because, like, you have cousins and you have family and they all speak Spanish and there's a certain way that you talk when you have the accent. And then you watch a TV show and it's like, that person's totally forcing it. Or, like, they probably have an accent, but it's mild, but they got to ham it up because the director's telling them, well, they're not going to know you're Latino if you don't do it this way. And, oh, man. I feel like we interrupted you, though. Or I interrupted you. Yeah, I mean, in the case of Assassin's Creed, I really don't think the voices are that bad. Obviously, they're gonna. I think where the inconsistencies come out, it's. It. I think it's probably more of due to the writing than the performances, especially for the newer games like Odyssey, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say they're completely consistent. I do think there are inconsistencies in how the accents come out. Um, fortunately, in the case of Assassin's Creed, there's an in-universe explanation for why the accents or any other thing about the game worlds are weird, which is that it's all a simulation Mm -hmm. and it's like an imperfect simulation based on the memories of the person reliving them, just like the the nature of how the animus works. So maybe Desmond Miles (laughs) just has a real poor grasp on what Italian accents sound like. (laughs) And that's what's going on. Um, I do want to say, I do think, even though I don't like Ezio all that much, 
I do think that Assassin's Creed 2 in particular has a real kind of crazy energy to it. Um, all, all the stuff with Animus and the Templars and the Assassins was all set up in the first game, but the second game adds this really strong conspiracy theory element to it with there's like a, 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 like a dead man who has left memories embedded in the animus that Desmond keeps running into when he's going through Florence and Venice. Uh, and there's just, just a crazy like X-Files conspiracy stuff going on. Um, it's just like going hand over fist to try and one up the Da Vinci code and every other kind of like history, uh, spanning national treasure piece of nonsense media that has come out. So that had like an energy to it that was really cool, even though I found Desmond or uh, found Ezio's arc a little underwhelming. Um, Brotherhood was a little more boring. That might just be because Ezio's, it kind of feels like a filler arc for Ezio, um, but Revelations where he's an older man, he's like in his fifties, which is a little unusual for a video game action protagonist. Um, that's been better so far, but I'm not that far in it and I can't really speak more on it. I do like that it's in Constantinople, which is not something I've ever seen before in a game. It's like really like cool setting, mishmash of uh, Byzantine and Ottoman culture and et cetera, et cetera. This might have been our longest what have you been playing segment <laughs> we've ever done. <laughs> well, there was a lot of ground to cover. It was necessary. Sure, sure. What we have gathered to discuss today is uh, Sony's least popular home console uh, <laughs> worth selling. Um, the obscure, uh, obscure, lesser known PlayStation, PlayStation 3. <laughs> PlayStation 3, um, which came out 15 years ago in uh, November 2006. Uh, so as we've done in the past when we've talked about video game consoles, uh, let's uh, let's start with how everyone came across the PlayStation 3. Oh, my introduction to it was legendary. So that was my first non-Nintendo home console. Now, I had a PlayStation Portable. Um, ironically, in a haphazard way, it came from the same person who gave me the PS3. So the Portable I got technically from my uncle, who had gotten me an iPod... Uh, video this is how long ago it was an ipod video for graduating high school but i didn't have the means to really like download and put stuff on it so i returned it and and used the money to get a psp so the same uncle for christmas one year we we're at my grandma's house and we're all opening gifts and randomly i open up this box and it's a ps3 there's the fat you know the the original model ps3 the grill Yep, and I remember feeling so guilty because my, I don't remember what he got my cousins and my sister, but I'm the only one who got a game console. I got this random PS3, and <laughs> I just felt guilty because I looked over at my cousin, and I'm just like, I didn't ask for the PS3, hey, I don't know why I'm the chosen one. You're, you're the eldest, <laughs> it's your birthright. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I got a PlayStation 3, and uh, yeah, like that, uh, man, that thing felt so futuristic when I had it like granted PS3 ended up becoming the less love between it and the 360 but it still felt like quite the uh, engineering marvel I didn't I didn't play it very much when it came out um in November of 2006 
it would have been a month before I turned 16. So I was in high school. Um, but I was definitely more focused on Nintendo consoles, GameCube, Wii, um, my DS is multiple DSs, but, uh, you guys grew up together. So Robert's PS3 was like your PS3 or the one you were, if I had wanted to play it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really just considered it more just kind of solely Robert's, um, like I never played the PSP. Um, I'm actually having a little trouble remembering where it was set up. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember either. But um, our listeners are going to want to know, Robert. They're going to want to know where it was set up. Well, but, I'm just trying to think of the logistics because you know Angela didn't play it as much. But like, I'm trying to think of where I had it because our house is set up where there's like a, a mother-in-law unit in the back, and that's where I live. And mm-hmm. so. I guess it would have been out there and she would have been in a room. So it would have been separate. And it wasn't until, um, I think it wasn't until I moved out of the house. Um, something like six years ago or whatever, Robert let me have, um, his, uh, one of his other PS threes. It wasn't like the super slim, but I guess the slim. It was the second model, the first slim. Yeah. Um, and I actually ended up getting some, pretty good use out of that which i'll we'll get into later but uh so i didn't really actually put uh more time into the ps3 until many years after it had already been out and actually the ps4 was already out so do both of you remember what your first game was i don't remember what my first game was no okay yeah i kind of remember going to gamestop after it was like it probably was christmas the next it was the day after christmas and using gift cards, I think I got Uncharted, uh, Resident Evil 5, probably. Like, keep in mind, when I say I got this PS3, it wasn't at launch. Like, I didn't get it at launch. It was after. And so games were already, you know, you can get them at GameStop pretty cheaply. But I'm almost positive the first Uncharted was one of the games I got for it. And uh, you also mentioned that for you, the 360 kind of ended up overshadowing the PS3? Well, I think it did for most people because... I, now, I think towards the end, sales probably started to get close. I don't know if they ever evened out, but 360 was the winner between those two consoles. At first, at least. But, I, like, for you, did you... Oh, well... I don't know. I had... So, I, have a, I had a friend, Daniel from high school who sold me an xbox 360 of his and it red ringed like almost the next day and i think he knew it was red ringing but i had given him half because i was kind of broke i was like oh i can give you half now and then when we get paid i'll give you the other half and then it red ringed i was like oh he knew it red ringed so i ended up trading it in and then i went a long time without one and finally my friends got together and they worked at a GameStop, and it was my buddy phil and justin and maybe a couple other people but I just remember Phil came to my house and he handed me this box with the red Resident Evil 360 in it and was like, here, we want you to play Call of Duty with us. We're tired of you not having an Xbox. So <laughs> I got a lot of miles out of the Xbox because I was playing like Call of Duty with my friends. But in terms of like the single player stuff, I think I was definitely playing a lot of those kind of games on uh, my PS3. Okay. Um, for me, I had, I definitely had a 360 first. I think I had both a 360 and then a Wii before I had a PS3. 
Um, and a lot of the like multi-platform games of, the, of that generation, I ended up getting on the 360 just cause of a little bit of inertia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, when I did get a PS3, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it's because my ex wanted to play, like, obviously it was a video game system, so I had some interest in it anyhow, but my ex wanted to play Little Big Planet. I think that's why. Mm. Um, Because it featured, at least the first Little Big Planet featured Stephen Fry as a narrator, and she was really into Stephen Fry. Mm. He's a very charming British. That was one of the other games I got Okay, right away was Little Big Planet. Um, And that was actually another game that I had trouble enjoying because you couldn't control it with a (laughs) D-pad. Uh, 2D game, you can't control the D-pad. There's no no excuse. I can't deal with it. I didn't like the feel of Little Big Planet. He couldn't move his arms otherwise. Why does he have to move his arms? Why doesn't he have to move his arms? It's part of the charm. Yeah, well, it does not weigh the... <laughs> the issue that I have with not being able to use a D-pad to control a 2D platformer. Anyhow, um, as for... Uh, me and like the games that I bought, the first one that I remember getting for the PS3, this wouldn't have been right away, so I don't know if this is actually the first one, uh, but it's Demon Souls. That's the first one I really remember getting for the PS3, at least that I that I kept on the PS3 and really dove into. I got tipped off to the existence of Demon Souls by just some random internet message board that was going crazy over this weird game from Asia. Hmm. Uh, and they were like importing the Asian version because the Asian, you know, the, the version that you pick up in like Singapore or whatever mm-hmm. was in English and would, would play on a PS3. Um, I did not jump in that early. I waited until it came out in the U.S. But uh, although I definitely had more games on the 360 at the time, I poured a really disproportionate number of hours into Demon's Souls. So that that's like... Of the games on the PS3, certainly of the exclusives on the PS3 that I played during the era, that's the one that stands out the most. For me, this was not my first PS3 game, but it was the it was the first PS3 game that I I was personally interested in and I bought, uh, and I think is only one of only two PS3 games I personally own, um, and that was. Uh, Alice Madness Returns. Never played, you know, American McGee's Alice on PC. Um, I don't even remember how I became aware of Madness Returns, uh, but it just looked really interesting. Um, And it had that kind of like creepy macabre thing that I kind of like. And so uh, I gave it a shot. and I I loved that game. Um, I've actually been wanting to play that game recently. I just have been in the mood. Um, but you just fire up your Xbox. I think it's on Game Pass. <laughs> well, it's on both systems, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, or you know, I could just fire up the PS3 that Robert gave me and just. Get, I, I think my copy. I think Robert has my copy. Um, but anyway, hey, I have my own copy. Thank you. What? I don't know where yours is. Um, maybe I have it, but you have to dig. Yeah, and get mine for my cold dead fingers. Yeah, I don't know, but um, regardless, that game was really really fun. Very um, 
There's some story elements that are uh, kind of disturbing, <laughs> a little creepy. I mean, it's the point, but uh, it, it, it's a very interesting, very interesting game visually. Um, and I actually loved it so much that uh, sometime after the game came out, uh, there were these like official, very limited, uh, a very limited run of uh, these like original prints of artwork from the game. I think it's only like, it was either only 300 or 3000. I think it might be 300 that were ever produced. Uh, but original prints, um, like not signed, but numbered, hand numbered on the back. Um, I bought one of those and I went and got it framed, which for me was a really big expense at the time, but got it framed, custom framed with like UV protecting glass. And it's currently sitting in our second bedroom, um, <laughs> framed. <laughs> and it was actually hanging in our, it had been hanging in our, our apartment bedroom. And then when we moved to our house, um, I have it set up, but yeah, mm -hmm. I really love that game. PS3 is interesting because it was such a was I don't was it a failure at launch or just like mocked at launch? Because <laughs> the Grand Piano PS3, the original version of it, had the Spider-Man three font across the top of it, which was mm -hmm. odd. And there's the infamous Ridge Racer E3 moment, right, where what's his face comes out and yells Ridge Racer for like ten minutes. And <laughs> I think the PS it was the PS3 also that had like a giant enemy crab in a promo it's like it was like mm. there was a genji game that was also featured early on and was, wasn't this thing like five hundred dollars or something i launch? think there were a couple of different SKUs. there was a five hundred dollar one and then the six hundred dollar one six hundred for the like the 20 and 60 gig models <laughs> six hundred not even the ps5 was six hundred dollars <laughs> but it was look no it was, a, it was a really good piece of hardware i ended up wishing that i'd gotten the six hundred dollar one because that was the one that had like the the ps2 backwards compatibility i remember <laughs> when i ended up buying a ps3 and i could probably use this to go back and figure out exactly when i got a ps3 but the the sixty gig models were like just being retired. The ones that, with that backwards compatibility were like only secondhand available at that point. When I worked at GameStop um, from two thousand nine to twenty fourteen, we got so many PS threes in trade. But I I hated taking in the big fat original models. They were super heavy and they were clunky. And I don't remember anymore. I think we had to go into the system settings, but you had to determine how many gigs is this? Um, is it backwards compatible with the PS2 or not? And like just so many of my coworkers wouldn't take them in correctly. Um, and mm -hmm. then, you know, the different models started coming out. Man, taking in PS3s in trade was not not the most simple <laughs> not the simplest process. To answer your question, Robert, I don't think it was a failure. I think it was definitely behind um and you know it was a year behind the 360 so it was starting from a disadvantage and then it was also like the wii ended up being a big success so that stole some of its thunder too yeah like that whole era is interesting because it became the you know oh nintendo does its own thing it's like no it's it's the third you know game maker it's just it had the weak graphics and the motion controls but Regardless, yeah, like Microsoft did their whole thing where they're like, we're going to be a year before everyone. And, you know, it had the great user interface. And the most important thing was that the online was great. You know, it was just this solid online experience. And 
I think that by the time you got to PS3, Sony was a little big-headed. Because, like, that console launch felt very self-important. Whereas, and I mean, with, with good reason. I'm not, like, just making fun of Sony. Because PS1 came out, was a huge hit. That was the... And, like, Sega definitely was going toe-to-toe with Nintendo. But PlayStation came out and was like, yeah, I guess who's in charge now? And then PS2 comes out and PS2's like, yeah, we're definitely in charge. Of, we're the captain now. <laughs> and so two incredibly successful consoles in a row. And now Sony's going for the trifecta. And, you know, all those things. Because Spider-Man 3 was coming out around the time of the PS3's launch. And that was a huge deal. And Sony, of course, made the Spider-Man movie. So they just had all this stuff going on. They're like, oh, yeah, here comes our third system. It's going to be the best. And then you get Xbox, which is like, hey, here's ours. It's cheaper and the online's better. And then Nintendo shows up and is like, here's this thing that's incredibly fun to play. It doesn't matter that it doesn't have HD graphics. And here's Sony and just they're kind of left, you know, in third place. And uh, just such an odd, odd launch. And I remember that as time went by, it got better, though, because like they got they ditched the Sony, the, the, the Spider-Man font. They came up with the PS3 logo that has now become the PS4 logo, which is now the PS5 logo. But Can I ask why <laughs> the logo, the Spider-Man logo stands out so much to you? That was a talking point when it launched. I'm sure it was a talking point, but it's been 15 years, man. <laughs> it stands out. <laughs> it, it was so odd. Like, there was just, that whole thing felt weird. Like, why does it have the Spidey 3 okay. Why is it the and size of a truck? Look, I know this is the... <laughs> PS3 episode, but I cannot <laughs> let it pass without comment that you... Did I hear you say you thought that the 360 had a good UI? Uh, Well, let me be fair. I came in late, so I don't know what the first gen UI was like on the 360, but by wasn't, the time I was using wasn't it... wasn't great, and the late ones also were not great. Like, <laughs> they were usable to me. Oh, okay, well, you could technically access settings, but they're just like so awkward with like the slowly animated blades that would come out. I guess. Yeah, I, like the cross menu bar on the PS3 is so much better. I it's probably gonna, the single best UI on any home console. Well, I mean, it's good, but... I was actually going to say, I didn't, I didn't really care for the UI of the PS3. Um, I would, you know, Robert, when he let me have uh, the Slim... Um, I've used, I think actually the thing I've played the most on my PS3 is Final Fantasy VII. And I don't know, I just, um, maybe, maybe this is a personal problem, but I just felt like I was getting confused by all of the different icons and then the branching menus from each icon and just a lot of scrolling. And, uh, I mean, the sounds are kind of iconic. Like I can hear the sound of the scrolling, the ticking sound of scrolling in my head and, um, hey, I'm not you know, crapping on the PS3 UI. Like, I liked it. Yeah, and like you know the like the background with like the the, the sparkles and the weird the yeah the weird like Coca Cola looking wave in the middle. But um, yeah, no, the UI was fun. I mean, it's not like I hated it. It's not like I, I was like some clown who just couldn't figure out the menu system. I just didn't think it was a hundred percent great. The 360 UI though. Like I said, I never used the first one. I know that when I finally got my 360, it updated and it was whatever it was at that moment. I came in circa Black Ops, the first Black Ops. So whatever the UI was like at that point, I thought it was totally fun. It wasn't slow or anything. I do think the PS3 UI is iconic and I, I love it, but uh, I don't know. I think there's a reason that the 360 had the mass appeal that it did. 
Yeah, because it came out a year earlier, had a lower price, and had Gears and Halo. Well, still, I mean, it, the the 360, I mean, there's a reason that Xbox ended up becoming, uh, you know, the force that it was. It, I mean, it, it ain't the 360 UI, man. That, <laughs> like, go back and try and turn on a 360 and deal with that. It's <laughs> still not good today. I, I remember there were times I'd be like, maybe I should turn on the... You're a Mr. PC <laughs> master race. You hate everything that you can't just click on with a mouse. I was just gushing <laughs> over the PS3 cross menu bar. I will say, when in comparison, because you know when we would take in consoles and trade, we'd have to turn them on um, because then we'd also have to clear the memory. Um, and you'd also have to make sure you even could get into the console because it was locked. You just couldn't take it at all in trade. Um, so my experience with the PS3 menu and having to do all that versus the Xbox 360 menu and having to go through all that, the PS3 was definitely more streamlined and simple and easier to figure out. Um, eventually, I figured out the 360 one because I had to, but I was I had much rather deal with the PS3 UI compared to the 360. Garish, cluttered, sluggish. My goodness. <laughs> I used to love how the PSP and the PS3 had the same UI. I thought that was neat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Did you cross branding? Did you cross buy, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did Robert, you had a PSP? Mm -hmm. Angela? No. Robert, did you ever take advantage of the cross buy feature to play a game on both systems? For example, you got like a PS1 classic. Oh, yes. The PS1 classics are the things I took advantage of. Like, there's some later games, like, I think I got Retro City Rampage or something. I have something that is not a PS1 classic, but oh yeah, when I realized that all of the games on, well, it was the reverse because I had the PSP first. Mm -hmm. So the PSP, as soon as I got that console, I was like, I can download all these PS1 games. And so I just was getting, because I never had access to them before. So for me, they were all like either new or something I saw my cousin Dom play. Uh, But then when the PS3 came out, I was like, or when I got the PS3, I was like, oh, I'm like, all these games that I bought, I can download on the PS3 now. So like, I took all those PS1 games and put them on there. To this day, I have my... Uh, they're not like true folders, but like I have folders set up on my PS3 where all the PS1 games are separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like the PSN games. And man, PS3 had a lot of really fun PlayStation Network games. Like Rochard, oh, that's a good platformer. Um, Doesn't sound like it. Wow, why don't you go play it? How do you spell it? Actually, you don't want to play it because it has, uh, I don't think you can use the D-pad. How do you spell it? R-O-C-H-A-R-D. So yeah, Rochard was cool. It had like physics-based, like gravity-based physics going on and platforming. Um, There were uh, Explodemon. That was super fun. Of course, this is the era when you got uh, like Mega Man 8. So that was another one I had to have. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was re-released on PS3, and that was super fun to play. There was a ton of awesome PSN games. Do you mean Mega Man 9? Uh, that's what I meant, yeah, Mega Man 9. 9 and 10. If I'm remembering correctly, pretty sure I got um, the Tomb Raider reboot, you know, just Tomb Raider 2013 or whatever, on uh, PS3. And for the most part, I never ended up finishing it because I just kind of, I didn't really find it super compelling all the way through. Um, 
I liked Lara's redesign. I thought she looked cool, but I just couldn't um, reconcile her her weird like she'd go she'd have these moments where she's talking to herself and she talks about how scared she is and she has these moments where she's almost killed or she's almost assaulted or whatever. And, you know, she's sitting at a campfire talking to herself and talking about how traumatized she is. And then immediately you just start killing everyone. <laughs> and it doesn't really make any sense. And it just kind of got more clownish and, and stupid. Ludo-narrative dissonance. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like it's, it's one of the big games that jumps out to me when, when that term comes up. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, the gameplay was fun. The environments were beautiful. It was a beautiful-looking game. But ultimately, Laura just kind of became... Un- a little insufferable. Uh, but I do remember that was another game where I uh, I was like, yeah, you know, this actually looks like it could be fun. Um, I remember mocking, but also being amused by, this is kind of related to what you were saying. Yeah. The, the enemy mooks, like the bad guys in that game. Yeah. You kill like 400 of them over the course of the game. <laughs> and you get, after you're done with like 300 or so, you still have like a little voice clips of the being like, she's just one girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's killed like a small town. Yeah. yeah and and like, like everyone's getting headshot all around them. And, and Robert has mentioned how um, Uncharted has a little bit of this going on mm-hmm. um not not quite the same thing um but uh you know he's he's found it a little unbelievable how many dudes um nathan drake can take on at once and uh but for some reason i don't find that uh i, I enjoyed what what i played of uncharted i think i'm i think i might have played some of the second um, I enjoyed that more. And I think part of it is because Nathan Drake isn't having these emotional monologues to himself about how he's feeling traumatized. I think that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it is. Because yeah. Drake is confident. Yeah, he's and- confident and he jokes. And, and, you know, so it's like even if he's taking out some, even for video game standards, crazy number of dudes at one time, he's also not like, you know, oh my God, I almost got killed. And just like all this nonsense. He's having a heart to heart with Sully. I can't believe I just shot like 40 guys. Yeah. Like, and then turns around and he's like, killing another 40. Like, it's nothing that took around. I can't believe I killed another 40 guys. But Uncharted was actually one that I did enjoy. Although, one game, I didn't play this on the PS3, but I talked about this in one of our very recent episodes. It is a PS3 game, or it was a PS3 game. Um, Sleeping Dogs. I played the definitive edition on the PS4. Um, that game is so good. <laughs> it's. I really wish they would remake that game because it would benefit from so many you know, like modern um, uh, upgrades. Um, like visually or visually, tweaks? visually, and also some gameplay tweaks because the combat is a little bit clunky uh, at times. Um, and yeah, but I mean. It just I had so much fun with that game. Like I really genuinely liked Sleeping Dogs, and it actually would have been great if they had made a second one. But um, for sure, one of my favorite PS3 games. I loved that game. So entertaining. You know, I have a really hard time remembering if I got my 360 or the PS3 first, because I was thinking about how, like, when we were talking about the UI for the Xbox, like I just took that to that like. Efficient water, but I think it was because I used it so much because we were constantly playing Call of Duty, so mm-hmm. like I had to. But then I'm also trying to think of like with the PS3, like what that learning curve was like with uh because like the way you would update games for the PS3 confused me. Like it wasn't like the way it was with the 360. Yeah, like you I kind actually, of had to manually yeah. do it. 
and stuff like that. But uh, I'm trying to think of the games I played because I, I remember Uncharted and thinking that was really cool, although it had a little bit of screen tearing, but it was still awesome. Mind you, I'm playing this on a tube TV because you could still hook PS3 and 360 up to like a tube TV. So that's how I played those consoles. And even on a tube television, I thought they, the games looked incredible. But uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. one of the games that I was desperate to play because I had played Twin Snakes. And uh, man, I don't know when, I can't remember when I eventually ended up playing like MGS 2 and 3. Because I got a I got a PS2 later, you know, in life. But I remember wanting to play Metal Gear Solid 4 because that was like just a damn big deal when it launched. And when I finally got to play that game, oh man. I remember being kind of sad when they patched out the uh the kind of weird load screens that you had to deal with. Cause uh later Kojima went in and they added trophy support and they got rid of the it's hard to explain like it was you would load sections of the game like they would install onto the system and you would just sit there waiting and you're watching snakes standing around smoking mm-hmm. and uh as you go through each section of the game you know you would deal with these long install times but man like it was worth it it was worth sitting there and waiting for everything to install it was just such an incredible beautiful game and it's like felt so dramatic and it's interesting this isn't a game i played until much later uh but when i went back and played the yakuza games three four and five are all on the ps3 you can get them on newer systems now but when i played them it was only ps3 um yakuza 4 also has a very memorable install screen uh where it's just like it you just get like these action shots and like kick and punch stuff that the four protagonists are doing and there's like bios that are flashing and it's just cycling between them the installation takes so long that they keep cycling through and there's this like this super like get you pumped song playing in the like the main theme of yakuza 4 playing in the background but it's just like such a like weirdly exciting installation process even though it's completely non-interactive it's funny like people complain about you know wait times for certain things now it's like god how would they deal with metal gear solid 4's you know install like like i would just sit there like i don't want to give an inaccurate inaccurate time but it felt like a very long time for each install i I think that's considerate for metal gear solid 4 because it's like it's like a warning like if you can't deal with installation screens of this length (laughs) you're not gonna be happy with the cutscenes in this game (laughs) yeah that's right like deal with the scene where there's no talking and now let's see if you can handle an hour of talking yeah yeah, I also, uh, I thought it was awesome how by the time you got to PS3, you had the wireless DualShocks and how it was the same damn controller from the PS1 to the PS2 to the PS3, uh, same design. Uh, I wish they still had it. Similar. It's not quite the same. I think the, I remember the PS2 had like the weird decision to have like analog buttons. Do you remember that? Like mm-hmm. the analog face buttons? Good riddance. Uh that was a crazy idea. Um, but yeah, I remember actually much preferring the DualShock 4 shape to the DualShock 3 shape. I think ultimately it probably was a wise idea, but I still like, man, it'd be so cool if like the, the, Dual, the, the DualShock 5 was still that same shape. All right. So here's why that's not acceptable. Uh, you know, I mentioned like the, the big PlayStation 3 game for me at the time 
was Demon Souls. Certainly not the only one. I played Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy 14, etc. But Demon Souls and then Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2. Played all those games on the PS3 first. Um, you can't pause those games. Uh, all you can do is like set the controller down. And on a PS3 controller, the L2 and R2 buttons, when you set a controller down, are very prone to just activating. It's just kind of like, it's heavy enough to like roll slightly. And if you're playing Demon Souls or Dark Souls, those buttons, the R2 button in particular is mapped to heavy attack and you can't pause. Often, like when I was setting down a controller, it would be to like, you know, look at my phone or look at a laptop or something to look something up. And I would be in front of an NPC. So I'd set down the controller and my little DualShock theory would be like, you know, it'd be fun is if I kind of rolled forward a little bit and my character would just like, you know, smack this NPC with a greatsword. They wouldn't die, but they would now be my mortal enemy. And like I could kill them or just run away and never come back. And those are my options. The PS4's controller, the DualShock 4, does not have that issue. And therefore, on that basis alone is the superior controller. Oh my goodness. I, I have very fond memories of the DualShock 3 also because Angela worked at GameStop at the time. I can't tell you how many colors I have because of Angela. She'd spot it like they come <laughs> yeah. in pre-owned yep. or even new. She'd, she'd text me or call me like, do you have this color? I'd be like, no. So I have like the gold, the black, the red, the pink, the camo. Uh, I have the Final Fantasy 13 lightning or whatever because there's like three mm -hmm. sequels or whatever i have the special controller for that i have so many i think i, think I got you the baseball one um, Do I, have the baseball? I swear i thought i got you the baseball one go through them. like seriously yeah. it's gold more um, than any other system i have some blue. 360 controllers but. yeah that was always really fun you know we'd get boxes of distro um and so they'd either be uh they were actually usually pre-owned controllers uh from wherever you know all around the country and they'd send them to hq which was the rock and then they'd distribute you know distribute out all these boxes of that's what distro was and so we get a bunch of boxes every morning and i'd open up a box and there's some you know like i remember the for some reason i remember the pink pearl one um in particular that one being because that one was very that that like the one time that we got it and i bought it for robert was one of the only times we got that color um the gold one and yeah, and I remember the the Final Fantasy one. Um, just all these cool colors. And yeah, sometimes they'd come in new. Uh, and then even sometimes those new colors were desirable. And so I'd have to put one on hold before then they, they sold out. I love that. That was actually really fun. Um, I like all the different color controllers and stuff. That's why my Joy-Cons are the neon yellow. I just had my regular black controller for the PS3. That suited me just fine. Thank you very much. Another thing I loved about PS3, yeah. you put your music on it. <laughs> oh, my guilty pleasure was, so I took, so you could take CDs, you put yeah. them in the PS3, and yeah. you just rip the whole CD onto the hard drive. So I had multiple albums on my PS3, and then some of the games, you could shut the music off, play the music from the PS3 music player, and have your own soundtrack. So the racing games... Oh, so I loved uh, Ridge Racer Unbounded for whatever reason. And I just remember playing like New Order 
while racing in those stages. I was like, this is like perfection. <laughs> I hope you'll excuse me jumping in here because this was on the 360 for me. The mm-hmm. 360 also had this ability. Yep, right? I did the same thing there. But with the 360, it was actually like a, an OS level thing. Like you didn't have to have the games have that as part of what was going on. Like you could just, I think the 360, whether or not the developer of a particular game lets you do custom soundtracks, the 360 would let you override that. But I remember also... Uh, and I, it, it bums me out that like newer consoles don't have this. Even like ports of games that supported that on the 360 and PS3 don't have that in newer versions like Burnout Paradise, for example. It's strange because it's like I know even though I refuse to use it, like I think you can use Spotify on like a PS4. Uh, so it's like there's the capability to listen to external music. So it's mm-hmm. like why not just let people pipe in whatever they want? Yeah. Especially for something inconsequential like a racing game. The soundtrack doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it's a perfect fit for a racing game, too, because, like, look, I'm not a car guy, but I understand that a lot of people in cars will often play music while they're driving. <laughs> Give me the ox so, so there's a natural fit there between custom music and a racing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, man, that was, a, that was an awesome feature. There was other stuff, like you could uh, import images and, like, do your own backgrounds if you wanted I think I did that more on my PSP, not necessarily on the PS3, but like the PS3 was fascinating because it desperately wanted to just be a computer. Like you could hook a printer up to it and all this other crap. And I think the Fed, I can't remember which agency in the government it was, but one of our, one of the US's uh, defense agencies had taken like 30 PS3s <laughs> and interconnected them for the computing power for something. Mm-hmm. Like, that console was pretty badass in terms of its power. It was the, also the PS3 that, like, you couldn't export to, like, Iran or something. Oh, I don't know. There was some video game <laughs> console that, like, couldn't be sold somewhere in the Middle East because the chips in it mm-hmm. could be, like, repurposed for use in, like, mm-hmm. missile guidance. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this was even like a, you know, this ended up actually being, uh, ironically enough, uh, kind of an angle that Xbox took with the Xbox One originally of like this all-purpose living room machine, not just a game console. But this was a, this is like a, a tagline for the PS3 too, right? It was like, it does everything, I think, was like kind yeah, of a launch I, tagline for I it. still watch Netflix on my PS3. Even with the PS4 hooked up, I'd still default default to the ps3 to watch netflix huh and i'm talking within the past year <laughs> so netflix aside what do you think is the most recent game you've played on the on the ps3 because it's like you know it, there hasn't been a new game on the ps3 in like what, like five years or something i actually downloaded a game within the past year it was a uh it might be code masters it's a top-down racer that's like Micro Machines. Mm. I'm forgetting what it's called. Oh, okay. I had a hell of a time getting it, too. Because you can't, you cannot fund your wallet on a PS3 anymore. And so I was trying to figure out, why isn't it letting me use my card? It's telling me the game is here and I can buy it, but it won't let me put the money. So I had to, like... You go I, to, like, their website? I think I went on the website. Like, I figured out how to do it, but I eventually downloaded the game, and it was super fun. I wish I could remember what it was called, but... What prompted you to get this game? Um, I think they were announcing that they were shutting down the PlayStation Store on PS3. This is before they decided to not do it. Yeah. 
And so I was like, okay, well, I need to see what games are on PSN that I still want to play. And so I have a pretty good collection of PSN games just from like over the years, but there's still some stragglers that I hadn't bought. Yeah. I don't remember why this game came onto my radar, but I was watching YouTube videos of it that night and I was just like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then the, like I said, I think it was Codemasters. It was somebody like that that's good at racing games. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm like, I, I want to try it. And that's how I ended up getting that. So it's been pretty recent. And then there's other stuff. Uh, I have PlayStation 3 games that I still haven't beaten. So like, I have a log of like stuff I need to play. And one thing I need to do is take probably every game, put it in the system, and update. <laughs> Make sure everything's updated before I can't at some point. How big is your hard drive on your PS3 if you can hold like installs and updates for every single game that you own? You know, I don't know. Like I... The, the PS3 that I have, it's the super slim now. So I have the grand piano, yeah. and then I have the slim that I gave Angela. And then uh, my girlfriend, it's complicated, but it ended up where she got like a super slim, and then I ended up getting one too from GameStop, so it was used. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember what the storage is. It might be 500 gigs, which is, for the PS3, that was a lot of storage, because, you know, you could put, the, the updates weren't as big as they are now. Yeah. Even the games weren't as big as they are now. Last summer, um, before uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, I wanted to play as much of the original Final Fantasy VII as I could. So, like, as recently as last summer, I was playing the heck out of my PS3 because I was playing Final Fantasy VII. Um, it was fine. It was a perfectly fine experience. Um, and plus, I got to experience a classic, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. For me, my original uh, PS3 died um, circa 2017, 2018, maybe, Hmm. Um, in the middle of replaying Dark Souls. Um, And I think, Angela, you might remember this. I I thought you just was saying, I don't remember this. What happened? uh, I was in Blighttown, um, and the system just crapped out, and I couldn't get it to turn back on. I ended up... Hmm eventually getting a uh, super slim to replace because i had one of the original grill models oh um and then i ended up you might remember i played dark souls on your system um after yeah, this after seems, mine broke yeah this man i'm <laughs> i have very some like shades of this in my memory but i don't totally remember this well that's fine <laughs> um but i've actually ended up in the past few years i've ended up revisiting uh, a lot of 360 PS3 era games mm-hmm. that I say revisiting, but I mean like going back and playing games that I had let pass me by in the first place. Uh, it played like after I bounced off uh, the uh, 2018 God of War um, or after my DualShock 4 bounced off my phone screen. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I actually went and played the original series, uh, including, you know, God of War 3 on PS3. Um, so that was only a couple years ago. And also when I played through the Yakuza series, that was on PS3. So it's like, I don't know, it's held up. I've, I've played with, uh, RCPS3 also, the, uh, uh, PlayStation 3 emulator for, for Windows, um, which actually holds up pretty well, but so does the PS3 itself. So I think it's a good little system. Yeah. You know, I, something about Sony's consoles always felt more like kind of cutting edge than everybody else's like the gamecube was pretty cool but gamecube did have this 
almost toy-like quality to it. I mean, it's shaped like a little cube, so how could it not? But like the PS2, like that thing felt super fancy. And especially when the slim model came out. And then when the PS3 came out, like it could do all these different things. And then, you know, it had like the the high def capabilities and all that. And well, this is part of why the PS3's appearance got mocked is because it didn't look like the kind of sleek uh, home electronics video equipment that they had been going for. Yeah, I mean, well, especially if you can compare it to the PS2, like the little tiny thing that that was. The PS2 smaller than even a Wii. Um, but even as the big-ass grand piano, it had the beautiful, shiny, you know, black, glossy surface. And then those the touch buttons, which mm-hmm. they the, their cheap asses got rid of for the slim model. Those buttons are cool. You would just pass your finger over them and it would eject or turn on. Um, Call me old-fashioned, but I prefer a button I can press. Well, it's more dependable, and that's what the slim model has. You know, I ended up getting another slim. I had given Angela mine, and I didn't replace it. And then I got the super slim, and but then my I have a friend, and his neighbors across the street had taken, with no cords, they had taken a PS3 slim that they had and just basically put it on the sidewalk, giving it away. And so he went and he grabbed it and he was like, do you want this? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure I can find the cords and Lord knows I have the controllers. So yeah, give it to me. It's like, you can find an HDMI cable anywhere. I just need to get the power cord. I still have not hooked it up to make sure it works, but... How long ago was this that you've been sitting on this potential brick? Probably half a year. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, Sony, you know, I don't know. Like, the PS4 is cool. And I, I don't have a PS5 yet, but the PS3 360 era feels like it was the end of something. I just don't really know what it was. I feel like it, you know, we ended up talking about this a bit in the Okami episode. And uh, I kind of agree with where we landed in the uh, Okami episode was that the PS2 era kind of felt like the end of things. PS2 was like kind of the end of the simplicity of old school gaming. I mean, it was pretty... I mean, you didn't have to update anything. You just threw a game into the system and, you know, yes, there was a dashboard, but for the most part, you put a game in and you turned it on. Yeah, and of course, like every generation to the next, there are going to be changes. Even within a generation, there are going to be changes. But to me, I think PS2 to PS3 feels like a much bigger shift than PS3 to PS4. I think I just have nostalgia for it because... Like, that was a big era in terms of playing with my friends. Like, I I haven't played with anybody since the PS3 360 era. Like, that was when I would be online playing Call of Duty. But, again, the multiplayer stuff was mostly 360. But PS3, I don't know what it is. Like, it it just... I think Greg Miller is the one I remember saying this. One of the journalists, the gaming journalists, was talking about having a, a, a PSP. And that he had it with him on, like, a flight. And that everybody kept looking at it and was asking, like, you know, what is that? You know, with the big-ass screen and everything. Now, like, your phone is a thousand times more advanced than that system ever was. And that kind of awe towards the technology just isn't the same anymore. Because it's just so... It's everywhere. It's like everyone has these little flat-screen phones. And, like, the PS3 felt like it was... It wowed me in terms of just feeling like the cutting edge of gaming... And then you get to PS4 and like just some of the effect has been diminished. I don't know what it is. Like it's just like, yeah, you know, it's more powerful than the PS3. But like I just, 
even the PS5, I feel the same way. It's like, this does not impress me as much as like when the 360 and the PS3 were entering my life. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. I feel like, um, like there's different changes that have been made. Um, I remember some of it is less impressive on the surface, like PS4 games do look better than PS3 games, but it's not as big of a jump as PS2 to PS3. I remember when Bloodborne came out um, and people were remarking on like it, like there was just so much more clutter in the environment and it seemed like it was just like, well, they, they can render more things to make the environment cluttered. So they're going to do that. Um, obviously open worlds got bigger and like now in the PS5 era, loading times are shrinking because of the solid state drives and I don't know. Those aren't the same kind of wow factor as the graphics. And if you're talking about like the, I guess the electronics or the user experience on its own, I think that stuff is getting slicker. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think part of it might just be nostalgia or the age we encountered these things that affects how we feel about it. I knew there was a game. I was like, there was a PS3 game that I know I played a fair amount of and I couldn't remember what it was. It was Mortal Kombat. Mm. <laughs> um, my ex's brother, because uh, I was like, let me make sure this is the right system, because I couldn't remember which one it was. And I'm pretty positive it was Mortal Kombat, uh, which came out in 2011. I think it was just called Mortal Kombat. Um, I hadn't played a Mortal Kombat game since I think we have it on the Super Nintendo. And so <laughs> quite a jump <laughs> in terms of gameplay and graphics and um, explicit gore and all that. But I remember uh, I just picked it up really easily. Um, I, I tend to pick up fighting games pretty easily in terms of like learning the mechanics. But man, we played that one summer. I just remember we were playing that for hours and like it was the three of us and, um, you know, my ex and his brother and, and just played so much of that game. Um I'm not even necessarily like a huge Mortal Kombat fan. I just remember it was incredibly fun. And uh, uh, my ex wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and so oftentimes it came down to like me and his brother um, going against each other. But yeah, um, just like PS3 had a lot of interesting games. It had, you know, your your kind of typical, you know, AAA titles like um, I think L.A. Noir was on that, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. But then it also had like strange games um or interesting games like little big planet um and uh yeah I've, i think i've come to appreciate it much more uh many years later but um a lot of really good games on that console even if um you know it initially launched maybe three times too large <laughs> in terms of size and weight <laughs> and price yeah and then somehow jogged in my mind, my disappointment with the with the PS3 era, like as a as a Final Fantasy fan. Mm -hmm, oh yeah, because mm -hmm. that's the whole FF13 <laughs> era. That was the dark age. Yeah, it's funny. That's the first Final Fantasy that I almost beat. <laughs> Notice I didn't say beat. Yeah. Like, I remember playing a ton of Final Fantasy 13 and getting to the big evil Pope head looking thing. <laughs> And just could not get past that boss battle, and that's where I ended. That's a tough fight. But uh, so I, you know, I've I've played Final Fantasy games. Uh, 
but that was like my first time where like I'm gonna really sit and play this because I thought Lightning was really cool looking, and so and then the graphics in Final Fantasy Fantasy Thirteen, especially for the time, were just like wow, this, this is incredible. But all the Final Fantasy diehards hate that game. And so I just kind of laugh because I'm like, well, I don't hate that game. But I, I sat <laughs> and watched Zach play some of it. I couldn't take it anymore. No. I was just like this. How do you design a character to look as cool as Lightning? And she is just an insufferable bitch. Like, I I mean, there's just no redeem. I mean, I guess apparently by the end she developed some redeeming qualities. I was like, no, I don't even care. Like, she's she's awful. And then, um, what is it? Snow? Well, Zach, you and I were making fun of this. What is he constantly saying? Is he talking about a hero? That's what heroes do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This vaguely hobo-like outfit. Yeah. So, Alpha's not the problem, right? <laughs> the voice isn't the problem. Like, Troy Baker's doing what he can. Like, a terrible script. But it is a terrible script. There, oh. is, there is bad voice acting in that game. Yeah. Vanille. I I, I was yeah. An just, angel. Uh, no, no trash. And but then that kid, the the kid who's angry at uh, at snow. snow. Oh, soybean. Oh, oh god. Soybean. Like I hate. I despise that kid. Like they were just. And again, I didn't even play this. I'm sitting because Zach had replayed it recently. And I was like, this game is awful. Like just everything about it, the characters, the character design, except for lightning. Oh What's his God. name? Zaz? Is that his name? Saz. Saz. He's the funny. only sensible character in that cast. <laughs> I remember Saz had the little bird in his hair all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it always made me think of, I had a friend in middle school, and uh, his name was Kaode. And I remember Kaode, poor Kaode got shit on by a bird. <laughs> but it was like this oddball bird shit that was like kind of weirdly clear. Yeah. And I just remember it hit his hair, and he had like kind of, not really a fro, but his, he had, his hair was kind of long. And it hit. And I remember it was devastated. And after the fact, was insisting that it was like rain, even though it was a perfectly clear day. But every time I saw Saz, I'd just think, man, that bird's going to shit in his hair. So we just like, hey, okay. <laughs> who keeps a bird in there? It's <laughs> a good reason not to. But yeah, no, Robert, I'm sorry. Like, you can... You can have like body pillows or shrines to oh. the meal. Like, that's, oh my God. that's all fine. But like her voice is... It's she could so read the dictionary to me with her weird accent. I'd be happy. It's not one accent, man. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of like quantum Australian accent that kept coming in and out. Yeah. Oh, man. No, but like, like, I, I thought, actually thought Fang's character design was really cool. I wish she had less makeup on. A- and her name is Fang, which I just think is really neat. But her voice actress is, uh, I can't really remember a whole lot. I don't remember hating it. I think it was all right. Yeah, it was but, good. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, just like really sad she got stuck in that game. Uh, but yeah, like so from my perspective, you know, I got really into JRPGs when I'm young. You got like Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior on the NES, like the Final Fantasy games on the Super Nintendo and the PS1. Even the PS2 has Final Fantasy 10 and 12. Great games. And then the PS3 comes out. And what do I get? <laughs> nothing absolutely nothing. triple set of trash they're like yeah i mean you do have like final fantasy 14 that did come out towards the end of the ps3 era but even in that case and then like i think i was watching robert play uh whatever whichever of the two like nonsensical lightning um 
trilogy uh, sequels whatever there's 13 2 and then there's lightning returns yeah and i don't remember which one you were playing it's it probably 13 2 it was like on the beach and like her sister sarah and they're like watching fireworks and i don't know lightning was like talking really strangely like she had had some weird kind of religious awakening and uh i <laughs> I don't know. Like, even even the the cover art of those games just looks just boring and just sad. Is there a Dragon Quest game on PS3? No, uh, there isn't. It went from eight on PS2 to nine on the DS to ten on the Wii. Mm-hmm. And then what was eleven on PS4? PS4 and everything else now. And it's on Switch as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no Dragon Quest on there. Uh, I'm trying to think of the notable games. You know, Sony had, like, some good compilations. Like, there's the Ratchet & Clank trilogy from PS2. There's the Sly Cooper games, Jack & Daxter. But then there's standalone entries. So, like, there's a bunch of Ratchet & Clank games on PS3, and those are good. Uh, I have not played the fourth Sly Cooper, but that's supposed to be a good installment. I didn't even know there was a fourth one. Uh, God of War 3 is on PS3. So is Ascension. Then, yeah. Then you got... Did- didn't they port? Did you, they port you can play the Vita ones to yep. PS3? Yeah. No, it wasn't Vita. It was PSP. But you can oh, play yeah, yep. PSP. You can yeah. play one, two, Chains of Olympus, Ghost of Sparta, three, and Ascension all on mm-hmm. the PS3. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Killzone games are on there, but they don't interest me. It's Killzone and what was the other one that nobody cared about? Resistance. Isn't that on PS4? I think, I think that, it's like Killzone two and three are on PS3. The first Killzone's on PS2, right? It probably and I, but I think I think, I think Resistance right also has a number of different entries also. The Little Big Planet series debuted on PS3 and Little Big Planet uh, one and two are really good. I think three is also on PS3 if I'm remembering correctly. That was one of those like end of the life cycle games where I think it's on PS3 and PS4. I I'm not sure. They only fooled me the once. <laughs> those are good. I remember wanting uh, Little Big Planet because of the outfits you could get them. Because you could make him Spidey, you could make him Snake, you could make him all these different characters. So I downloaded all those. That was awesome. But uh, what else is on PS3 that's notable? 50 Cent Blood in the Sand. <laughs> Total Which, GameStop bargain Which is game. actually a game I've already always been curious about. There's two 50 Cent games. Yeah, doesn't it have a cult following? The second one, Blood in the Sand. Mm-hmm. Where he, like, he, I think he's in like Iraq or something. Well, there's uh, that, that one's actually supposed to be good, though. There's also the like Smash Bros. ripoff. Oh yeah, PlayStation All Stars. That mm-hmm. is actually not bad, but it's definitely not as good as Play- uh, as Smash Bros. Yeah. The Uncharted games; those are all really good. Mm-hmm. The th- I mean, I think the three of them are really good. Um, I think I might have liked the second more than the third one. Um, other compilations: you had the Kingdom Hearts, uh, mm. basically series that you could play on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Metal Gear games. Mm-hmm. There was the Metal Gear compilation. There's like two compilations that you can get of Metal Gear. It's like there's... Oh, I'm going to blank on the names. But like you can basically get all of the games two different ways. There's like the complete collection and the something else collection or whatever. Man, what else is there? Oh, there was the Vanillaware games that came out. Like Dragon's Crown, I think it's I called. never... I don't know if Dragon's Crown is on PS3. Dragon's Maybe it Dogma? Is. Was that one? No, on that's PS3? a different game. That's a Capcom game, I think. No, no, I was saying, was, was Dragon's Dogma on the PS3? Yeah, it was. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Dragon's Crown was on PS3 because it was also on Vita. It was like I, I remember it being on, on handheld, but okay. All right, yeah. Um, I, I didn't try that. I did 
Uh, I did try Odin Sphere mm -hmm. and not liking that at all. Um, that's my review of Odin Sphere. <laughs> I see. Red Dead Redemption. Of course, some of these are cross-platform. Like Red Dead's also on 360, but you know, like, Dead, like Dead Space is also yeah. on 360. It's weird that Red Dead is still stuck on PS3 and 360. They didn't. Uh... It's never come out on PS3. It's never been ported to newer consoles. You, you can mean, play it back. You mean PS4? Or... Oh yeah, you can't play it on PS4 or Xbox. You can play it on sure? Xbox One, but only like backwards compat for Red Dead Redemption. Really? I could have swore there was an updated version of the original. I don't think so. Okay, man, I remember. So you know, the PS3 era was the that was the Mass Effect era. You know, those games are huge. Oh yeah, I might have. I can't remember if I've told this story for the podcast or not, but I play tested Ma uh, Mass Effect Three. And uh, I remember going in, and all my friends liked that game. I didn't care. <laughs> I was like, you know, I just for whatever reason, it hadn't caught my attention. But I went to go do the playtest, and boom, there goes on the, all the monitors. It said Mass Effect 3. And so you had to, you know, sign these NDAs. You couldn't talk about certain things uh, in the playtest. And so I had been talking to a friend, and I, you know, I told him I played Mass Effect Three, but I was like, I can't tell you anything about what I saw. Why did you tell him that? I was gonna Why, say, like, I'm pretty sure you couldn't even tell, tell, tell him that. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? You could, eh, I didn't care about the NBA. No, Regardless, yeah. I, I said what I played, but I refused to tell him, you know, what I saw. But I thought I was safe, and I just said, yeah, you know, I played the game and some of the multiplayer. And he was like, you played multiplayer? I'm like, yeah. And he goes. There's multiplayer in Mass Effect 3. I'm like, well, doesn't everybody know that? And he's like, they haven't, they've been teasing it for like a year. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm like, don't tell anyone I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, I don't know, there was, that felt like there were all these like, I guess the, the big difference in the PS3 era and Xbox 360 era was that like the, the multiplayer gaming was almost exclusively Call of Duty. Like, that's what everybody was getting online to play against each other. Whereas now, it's like there's all these different, you know, series like Overwatch and Fortnite and whatever. And those are so, like, dominant now. But, like, back in the, like, PS3, Xbox 360 era, it's like there were all these, like, AAA games that were just out. You know, it's like you had the Mass Effect games, you had the Dead Space games. And, like, there were all these different things that my friends would talk about. And it's like the circle just seems to keep shrinking in terms of what's being developed. And uh, like it's just it felt like there was a lot more to play during the PS3 era. Not necessarily all of it was great, but just like the variety seemed larger. I think there's, objectively speaking, way more to play now. I don't know. I mean, those new games count, you know, like these arena based, you know, shooters and whatever. Um, like, I don't know. It's just it's a different time. There are more games available on Steam than there are coins in Scrooge McDuck's money Ew. bin. Ew. Ew to Steam. Ew. I, I'm just saying, like, there's a, an so immense... Steam Deck? Steam Deck? Deck, whatever. Yeah, I'm probably going to get a Steam Deck. <gasps> when are you going to get one? Can I borrow it? No, I don't think I'd trust you with it. How dare you? In greasy hot dog hands. <laughs> My girlfriend is getting the, uh, whatever the most luxurious one is. Why? Because she can, I guess. No. She can't. She should be ashamed of herself. Okay. She should know better. Um, before you break another NDA, should we maybe wrap up? Oh. <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. 
That story was a work of fiction, by the way. <laughs> Take that, EA. In fact, there is no Mass Effect 3. That's right. <laughs> Never happened. Uh, well regarded has duology. always been at war with, or uh, whatever it was, <laughs> the 94 thing. Stasia has always been at war with such and such. <laughs> Oceana, that's what I was thinking of. We are, um, I think, about ready to wrap up, but if anyone has any other things they want to say about 50 Cent Blood in the Sand, uh, no. No. PS3 was cool. Yeah. I think it's fair. Pretty cool. I'm hooking mine up again tonight. I will not stop you, but maybe don't set out to update every single game you own and install them all on your 500 gigabyte hard drive. I think Slowly but surely. It'll happen. Better uses of your time. Uh, and I don't want the play-by-play next time we record. <laughs> this has been 7 Minutes. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye.